This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In a distinctly non-Mancunian accent, the Stratford End sings, 50,000 empty seats, are you fucking sure? Well, I'm afraid to say it's going to be 60,000 very soon, as despite having no fans, the world's biggest small club goes marching on, on, on. It's Thursday the 2nd of March. I'm your host, Ollie Kirsch. I'm Ollie McCool. And I'm David Powell. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from there? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hi everyone, on today's episode we'll be taking a short break from discussing the on-pitch matters as we cover the news around the upcoming expansion to the Etihad Stadium and surrounding amenities. If you are looking for the Bristol City review episode, that's on yesterday's pod and tomorrow the lads will be previewing our Newcastle fixture at the weekend. So now that's out of the way, hope everyone's seen the news. If you've not, I'm happy to deliver it. City have unveiled concepts for a best-in-class fan experience, per the club's official statement, and year-round entertainment and leisure destination at the Etihad Stadium. So we're looking at expanding the North Stand into one large single upper tier, if you think Borussia Dortmund's yellow wall, and also uh, just expanding the areas around the stadium. So an all-weather uh, facility, there'll be City uh, city Square will be now be covered, uh, food and drink outlets, new club shop, club museum, club hotel, etc., etc. So it's all going on, uh, despite the Premier League's charges against the club. City are hell-bent on continuing to grow. And most importantly, I think, for, for people like you and I, 
continuing to invest into the local area, uh, creating thousands of jobs once again with new building projects and the employment that will come after them. So I'm joined by Ollie and David today. We're going to talk about the plans for the Etihad, but also just cover off really where we are in terms of off-the-pitch infrastructure, Listen, talking about the CFA, the CFG, and also having a look at the teams around us, Spurs, United, Chelsea, etc., and just trying to get a handle on where we are compared to them um, and really how far they need to, to go to catch up to us. So I'm going to hand over. Oli, I'll start with you, mate. What do you make of the plans for the Etihad? Uh, well, I think firstly, adding more seats is a great thing. You know, this season the demand has been insane. I can't remember anything like it since probably Pep's first year, where the, the, the demand this season has just been absolutely crazy for tickets. And you know, we've heard about rumours and plans to you know put a, put another tier on the north stand, and we've now the new and the new design looks fantastic. Uh, as for the surrounding area, I mean, it was. It, I think we could all kind of see it coming when the arena that they're currently building was announced, uh, and they started building that a couple of years ago. Uh, we could all kind of see this is the direction City are going to take, um, and they've been massive part in the funding of that arena. Um, you know, I think they said at that time they wanted to launch, you know, a whole new entertainment district in Man- in East Manchester. You know, on on the on and around the Etihad campus. And, you know, this looks to be doing that. Um, the plans for, for the city stuff, specifically new shop, new museums, covering City Square, sit-down outlets. It's the way people want to enjoy the football now. They want they want it to be all in one. You know, they don't want to be, you know, spending all their time, you know, standing around outside, open to the elements. And Manchester weather isn't the most friendly, especially on those colder nights. So, you know, putting a cover over City Square, personally, I'm hugely relieved can actually stand outside and have a pint um, instead of going on the ground too early. But um, I just think it's great news for City overall and shows the direction the club's heading, which is only up and up and up. David, just before you pick up on that, first thing, I just want to warn any non-City visitors that some of the content here might bust some narratives that are pushed out by uh, United and Liverpool Twitter. The demand has been crazy for tickets this season, despite what you are all told. Uh, David, what I want to ask you, if you do agree with what Ollie said, that it's a good it's good to have have these amenities, especially you know, covered city square that that's suitable for all weather, especially in the bitter cold winter for the night matches. If you do agree, where do you stand in terms of, well, it's not the traditional fan experience. I mean, the traditional fan experience is having a crap pie uh, and a half flat beer in the freezing cold in the rain, whereas now we're going to have quite literally best-in-class facilities. It's going to be an experience before the experience itself. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, I, I do agree with Oli to start with. And then I think I personally hadn't been to an away game to an old-school fashion stadium for absolutely years until this season when I went to go and watch Birmingham City with some friends and I was quite looking forward to it thinking this is going to be like like you said a crap pie really shit pie and going through the turnstiles of a ticket paper ticket and I was looking forward to it and when I did it I was like ah, careful what you wish for again because I think I've had it so good at City that albeit the nostalgia around what the traditional football games are like and stuff after being spoilt with the Etihad campus and, and and City now for so long, I, c- I couldn't see a football experience not like that. And I think when you look at sort of what City want to do, they want to be best in class, like you said, on and off the pitch. Spurs, Arsenal, their stadiums now, they probably have overtaken cities with it being, I, th- I can't remember how old it actually is now from the Commonwealth Games, that 
the actual stadium itself is not the newest. It's not the best. So they, they're obviously not going to be happy with that. They want they want the best. So these constant sort of new projects to keep bringing it up to speed and maybe trying to keep up with Arsenal and Spurs, who are now, for, for me, the best stadiums in the country, is the necessity for, for City to continue to sort of pull in this new generation of fans, continue to get the the younger fans that are going to be at the ground or at least on the campus for longer. Because, I mean, the longer the, the fans are on site, the more money they spend. And obviously that pumps into the whole CFG. And I think maybe going off on a slight tangent, I, I worked on the stadium, I think it was 10 years ago when I was an architect. And all the people that were advising on the designs, they were all coming over from American football. And it's all it was all about like how do we improve the sort of the fan experience for fans to stay there longer. And then that was sort of the the whole driving force behind it is old school stadiums fans are in the in the booze are down the road they come in for 90 minutes they're up up the top for 30 minutes over half time then they've gone at city like you said you can be in city square for a good hour two hours before you can stay after and with this you wouldn't see why fans wouldn't be there all day to be honest with you and i, I wouldn't see why not either from the plans yeah, I just want to touch on a point that you made about Arsenal and Spurs, actually. I fully agree with you. Uh, Spurs in particular, I went, I think it was the, the, the first year when the stadium was opened. I think it was, was it the Champions League tie that was at the new stadium? And it, it one word, really, it's an arena. It's not mm-hmm. really a stadium. It's, it's an arena of football. And I think that's the way things are going. And you're right as well about the nostalgia. A funny story I'll tell you quickly, and my old man will appreciate this. Uh, back when I was a kid at Main Road, and I remember, like you said, you know, you hand in this, the paper and they, they uh, tear it off, lay through the turnstile, you push through a crowded concourse that is in no way safe. And uh, my dad actually used to bar me from getting the food at Main Road because the quality was so poor. Um, anyway, one day I had to go into the concourse with my pal, Rocked up, dead proud, maybe six or seven years old with a pie in my hand. Uh, he took it out of my hand and promptly stamped on it. Um, <laughs> just to make his point. He'll appreciate me telling that one. But you're right, the nostalgia factor is, is one thing, but <clears throat> does it make you less of a fan if you're enjoying uh, a nice toasty like the Northern Soul van we've got at the moment? Shout out to them, it's beautiful. Are you any less of a fan if you're enjoying that and, and sat down somewhere comfortable and warm before you go into the game? You know, ultimately, for tourists that do come over to the games, um, thankfully, it doesn't seem to be at least three quarters of the ground like in some places. But for them as well, it's important that they have a good experience, right? Rather than kind of walking down terrace streets with their heads down. You know, we know what used to happen at Main Road. It still happens around Old Trafford. That's not the way football's going, is it, Ollie? No, not at all. Um, I mean, football is becoming increasingly a modern game. Um, I think... I think I actually think I was at the same uh, game for Spurs, the Champions League one, and you know, even though the football that night was absolutely horrendous, you know, you walk you you walk into that place and it's like walking into a spaceship, you know, it was it was it was, it was a mega experience, um, and uh, you can see the Tottenham fans absolutely love having you know the best in class ground, you know, the Etihad can only go so much as in it's a twenty year old stadium, you know, they can only put as many seats in, they can only upgrade the facilities as much. But City have done a really good job. Um and you know you saying there about the you know the food vans outside, you know, exceptional quality. And it's what people want nowadays. You don't want a crap pie anymore. You want you want a bit of decent food, especially for the money you're paying. Um, and you know, City have really kind of taken that on board. Um, you know, the kind of little things that make a good day out of the football. Um, and just as you said, it's it's important for the tourists as well. You know, the club, the club 
when they look at their money, when they look at how, where people are spending their money and who's spending their money around the stadium and in the club shop and all of that, it is the tourists who make up the bulk of that on match day. Um, you know, they, they are a huge in- source of income for the club, no matter who the club is. You know, whether it's City, whether it's, you know, uh, grounds like Anfield and Old Trafford where tourists, uh, you know, as you say, most of the stadium at this point. Um, so I think it's really good that City are kind of looking for an even keel on both sides. You know, they're not trying to, you know, piss off one side to, pr- to please the other. I, I, I fully agree with that. And I've got like hard hitting evidence that obviously I, I live in Birmingham now. All my friends are down here. And whenever in the past I've had a spare ticket because I've not been able to go, I've struggled to give it away. This season, I've got people coming out the woodwork being like, have you got any spare tickets? I want to go see Haaland. I want to go see Kevin De Bruyne. And also the people that have taken those tickets this season, the only thing anyone ever comes back on a negative is, oh, it's a bit quiet in there. But when I actually ask them and like say, like, Let, let's cut the crap. The atmosphere can be bad. It can be good. What did you think of the experience? And everyone comes back to me. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like they're, 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 Once they admit the jealousy that they have, it's like, no, the, the Northern Soul van, yeah, the the city square that even the state even the shop it's not not the best in the world but you can go upstairs you can see the trophy you can do stuff it's we have got a very very good experience as it is and with them obviously now committing to an absolute huge huge redevelopment of that area with the co-op already in works like i'm excited for it and i know for for a fact that my, my, my friends that go up and take my tickets they admit that they love it as well which is fantastic yeah, I mean, I mean that arena is what twenty four thousand people. You know, that's that's you know going to be just just over a quarter of the well, about half, just under half of the current Etihad, but over just a quarter by uh, the next time, uh, by the by the time the expansion comes in. You know, that's going to sync up everything almost because you know it's can, you can go and have a you can go and have a day at the football. You know, say it's twelve thirty kickoff, and then you could be you know spend two or three hours afterwards, and then you're going into the arena to you know go watch whatever event is on. And I think that's kind of always been the plan with City. You know, they're trying to keep people there as long as possible. And as long as the experience is pleasant, people are going to be happy to do that. Yeah, it'd be quite nice, wouldn't it, if we have a 5.30 kickoff at the Premier League and then go over to the Corp Arena for an evening of boxing or a gig or, you know, whatever's on and whatever people are into. It's, it's an additional experience. Again, going to City will become a day out it will be be a city and a gig city and another sporting event wherever it might be you still still as also remember it's still sports city we've still got the velodrome there there's all sorts going on outside of just the football and the co-op um also another important another important point here to make this is another revenue generator for the club not just for our own activities but this will also open up the Etihad stadium to host major finals as you need a minimum attendance, a minimum capacity of 60,000. So Champions League final, if we ever host it, a World Cup final, even at, well, I'm sure the final would be at Wembley, but certainly at least the semi-finals, the quarterfinals, etc. So it, it also opens up additional revenue streams for the club. Before we go on to a break, I just want to mention now... Adam and Amos did an episode a few weeks ago on the Etihad Stadium atmosphere, so we're not going to go too deep into that. If you do, listeners, want to catch up on the episode, it'll be linked in the description for this pod. But we now have an opportunity, if the club does it right, we've got all the modernised, even if you want to say touristy stuff outside, but if the club gets this right and moves the two blocks that currently sit next to the away fans over into what would be the new blue wall, if you like, 
Uh, as I said, I think in our WhatsApp group, listen, it's either going to go one of two ways. It'll be a wall of silence <laughs> or it can be a formidable, our own version of Dortmund's yellow wall. Um, which way do you guys see it going? But also how important is it that the club does get this right? And if anyone's listening from the club, come and chat to us. Ollie? Uh It's vital, isn't it? You know, the, the Etihad atmosphere, on one day it can be, you know, absolute best in class. Um, you know, as everything around this ground is trying to be, we keep saying that phrase, but it's true. You know, it can be one of the best atmospheres around, but most of the time it is a bit disappointing. It can get a bit quiet. Um, so I think, put, you know, getting that singing, getting the singing fans, getting the singing sections away from the away fans will be so important. And because City, you know, they prefer to kick towards that end of the ground in second half halves of the game anyway, while, you know, we're kind of giving fans a bit of, uh, you know, the away team a bit of a kind of, an open hand there saying, okay, you can kick towards your funds when you're chasing a game in the 80th minute. So it's important the club get it right. And that goes, and that involves ticket prices that involves, you know, being open about this is what we want. If you are allowed, if you're one of the louder fans, you know, talking to, you know, groups like the 1894 group, uh, the city on tour guys, you know, getting those people, you know, telling them this is where we want you to be in the ground. Does this work for you? What do we need to get you to come over this end of the ground? Um, that's going to be so important. The club have got to get it right. Otherwise, you know, the kind of the jibes that we are all so bored of hearing about the Etihad is only going to continue. Absolutely. They, they need to get it right. And this is, if they get this wrong, then they've missed an absolute trick. I think they've got to, they've got to rename the stand Kipax 2.0, get the old, get the old fans back on side with that. And yeah, they, 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 they need to get an area where the tourists don't essentially sit. This obviously, this expansion and the this whole city square is to get more tourists in. It's to get them to watch the the youth in the morning or the women's in the morning, then the men's, then a gig after. But for me personally, my, my season ticket is quite close to the away fans. And every time I go and has been for three years now, whoever owns the tickets next to me sells them every week. So I've got a different person sat next to me, which obviously when the atmosphere is down, they, they're they not interested in getting behind the team. And I sit really close to the away fans. So if there's an opportunity to sort of fix that. And like you said, this isn't going to happen overnight, this expansion. So the club have got long enough to really get, get into the fan groups and be like, how are we going to get the away support that comes to the home games into that area, whether it's a price reduction or anything, just to make sure that we get that that area sorted that when the when the going is against us that they become the twelfth man in the new kickbacks. Yeah, it, it is important the club gets it right because a huge single tier stand like that can be almost a throwback to the old traditional stadium. Um, not necessarily in its layout, but just a formidable end of the ground that I think many modern clubs are missing. You know, for all the talk of the cop and the Stratford end. They don't have that same magic anymore. Um, fans can say it until they're blue in the face or red in the face. It's not true. I don't think any modern top six club really has that anymore. It's a chance for us to recapture that magic at one end of the ground. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the first half right there. In the second half of the episode, we'll talk about our wider infrastructure and how we stack up with the rest of the league. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your place for daily Manchester City content. So we've covered off the stadium expansion. Of course, it's not the only aspect of City that is still growing. The City Football Group is now, deep breath, 
Manchester City, New York City, Melbourne City, Yokohama Marinos, Montevideo City Talk. Sorry if I'm completely butchering any of these pronunciations. Girona FC, Sichuan Junyu, Mumbai City FC, Lomales K, Troy's and Club Bolivar as a partner club. It's growing, and it feels like every year at the moment we are announcing a new collaboration, partnership, or ownership with, obviously, Manchester City soon to be in League Two as the flagship club, which is quite magical, isn't it? (laughs) So the CFG is growing. The CFA, when we talk about the Etihad campus, is growing. We're in a really good spot. I think, Ollie, you've already mentioned one of the limitations, which ultimately is that the Etihad Stadium is now 20 years old. I can't believe I'm saying that because it, it feels like yesterday we moved in. So there are limitations, but we're in a great spot. We're still growing. We're still pushing. Now, across the road, they're talking about a takeover where they'll be knocking down Old Trafford, build, building a new ground. Arsenal and Spurs have got new grounds as well. Uh, Chelsea, I mean... Stamford Bridge is an absolute state. They're desperate and it doesn't look like it's going to come anytime soon. Um, Liverpool, obviously, have have made expansions and renovations across the ground. So all of the top six clubs are certainly, perhaps barring Chelsea, aware of this need to keep the infrastructure moving. But none of them yet have the kind of network of clubs that we do. And arguably, maybe aside from Chelsea aren't quite bearing fruit from the academy as we are. Obviously, we've had Foden come through, Rico Lewis, Cole Palmer's on the fringes, and we're just selling the rest of them for a lot of money. So overall view, top level, and I'm sure some of the points you make will dig into a bit closer. David, I'll come to you first. Where are we in terms of the entire organisation? How well are we doing? What else needs to change? And how far ahead of everyone else are we? Four big questions there. <laughs> um, Massive. Share, yeah. share, share them amongst you, but a few things to share over. Um, I mean, surface level, I think we are we are streets ahead of everyone still. I think there's a saying like if you throw your own problems in the air, if you, you'd want to catch your own. I don't think there's another club out there whose organisation, without knowing the, the specific ins and outs of it, that I would even come close to changing Man City for. I think back to like pre pre um takeover days when we had um was it Sinatra the the owner before and, and the ownership group we had there that I look I look at clubs like Birmingham City local to me, obviously that stepped down from United and Chelsea and stuff, but they're a shambles. That a lot of clubs out there are, are a shambles of, of businesses and clubs and we are so well run. Obviously it might come out that we've we've broken some rules o- over over the years, but at the moment, innocent or proven guilty, I feel like we are streets ahead, and that's from the CFG, like you said to the CFA. That when you watch the academy, it's like watching just a younger version of the first team. When you look at what City are doing off the pitch with the Etihads, with the the, the 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 teams that we're acquiring, there's a there's a greater purpose that I think even us as sort of fans that take a, a quite a keen interest in the club don't know what what are they what are they acquiring these these clubs for there is a greater purpose for what they're trying to build with the the CFG um and yeah i i i, I don't know what you boys think but yeah I, I can't see a club that's even close to us like you said other than maybe Chelsea with their academy but even still they just flog them off before they even get close to the first team really Uh, Ollie, I'll hand yep. straight over to you, um, mate. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah. yeah, also you forgot Palermo in the list of clubs that uh, the CFG have stakes in um, in Italy. 
Um, but I was just looking there while, while you were speaking and um, looking at where some of these clubs are finishing. You know, Melbourne are top of their league at the moment. I think Mumbai have just won their league second year in a row or something. Um, Girona are holding their own and more in the Liga. Uh, Trois having a difficult season in Liga, but you know the disparity in that league is absolutely massive and there's financial problems all over it, which is a real shame. Um, you know, all these clubs are doing really, really well. And then there's Manchester City, who, you know, were four out of the five last Premier League titles. Um, you know, it was only what, last, not this season, but the season before that uh, New York City won the MLS. You know, the CFG is an organisation that is, you know, a couple of years ago, we were looking at it thinking, right, what, what, like Manchester City fans especially were looking at it going, what are we doing, you know, with all this? But then you look, you know, New York City are finally going to get their own stadium soon. That's finally all been approved. It's happening. Um, which is going to be huge news for them. So they're not going to be playing in a baseball stadium anymore. Um, you know, this organisation is one that's only growing um, and it's in, and it's going to be interesting to see where that ends. You know, you look at other multi-club models around the world. I think Brighton's own, owner own, owns a few clubs. Uh, Sheffield United's own, owner owns a couple as well. Uh, the, I think the only other one that's even vaguely comparable to us is the Red Bull Group. Uh, with Leipzig, Salzburg, New York, and the club in Brazil, um, but even them, you know, we're double the size of them. Um, so from that perspective, I think the CFG is doing really, really well. And then if you look, if you bring it a bit closer to home, City have dominated the academy titles in years in the last few seasons. I think, I think we're back to back in the Premier League, Premier League Two, and Premier League Under 18s. Um, in the last few years, the under 18s every year. And, you know, this is a group who are always 16, 17. They're not 18, you know, pushing, you know, into the upper group. They're really young, all first years nearly this time around. And they're dominant. You, you say we're not, we're not shoving Tom Huddleston into the youth teams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're not, we're not, we're not giving older players one chance in these, in these youth teams to earn their coaching badges. You know, Ilkay Gundogan is coaching the under 16s every other week. Um, to get his badges, um, it's that it's so the model's working. You know, the women's team. You know, we win a cup every other season. You know, we and I've got my thoughts on how the women's team are going. You know, but generally, you can't say it's been unsuccessful. They've made the Champions League pretty much every season, even if they get knocked out early. Um, you know, because there's, there's other teams in Europe like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Lyon. These clubs are just so much bigger and so much more well, so much more well financed than probably the WSL as a whole, really. Um, but the whole nature of City and how we approach football as an organisation, you just look at them and think, why, why are we the only ones acting like this? Why are we the only ones who are consistently at this level, every group? Um, you know, there's there's a reason that Man United's players and coaches send their kids to our academy and not Man United's. You know, our facilities are better. Still, you know, our academy and training facilities are the best in, probably in the world. And we replicate them in Melbourne, we replicate them in Uruguay, we replicate them in India, um, in China. Um, yeah, I just I just think, you know, when I look at a club like Liverpool, who ha- who really make a big stink out of all their history and heritage, is that why are their women's team playing at Tranmere and have no space on their own training ground? Why are Man United, you know, still lagging so far behind in terms of infrastructure when they're apparently the best club in the world? Um, you know, Tottenham... You know, you just, I just think, the, the, I think Tottenham are kind of really interesting. You know, they've got this amazing stadium, but they don't seem to do anything with it. You know, and you can say, oh, well, they're under strict finances. But then you see them building a karting track under their stadium, signing a deal with Formula One. And I go, 
is their priority really football here? Is it actual football success or are they just trying to, you know, make a good name for themselves? Is Daniel Lee just making a good name for himself for when he finally sells the club? Um, you know, it's hard to look at City and not just think, why is nobody else doing this? You know, Barcelona chucked out people like Cheeky Bigeristein, Ferran Soriano, Omar Barada for trying to implement something like this at Barcelona. And they all came to City and, you know, 10 years later, they're absolutely done for financially because they've made so many reckless decisions chasing trophies. And we just look like we're on a path that's only going up. You know, it's hard to not be completely impressed with what, how Manchester City and how the widest CFG operates. I, I fully agree. Again, I, I, I can't quite understand how we've not been doing this for one year and it's sort of come as a surprise like the Chelsea sort of transfer tactic now. We've been doing this for years. I, I don't understand how United, Liverpool, they haven't started thinking, why is City doing this? If Liverpool are trying to hack into our scouting reports, how are they not trying to understand why City are acquiring these teams and building a strong group and not replicating it? I don't know if there are other top six, top seven clubs that are looking into it, like Newcastle, where they got is this something that's going to be in their strategy or Liverpool United going forward? But it, it baffles me as well that no one else has sort of saw the success we're having and thinking there's something in this. I mean, I'm, I'm not upset by it. If, if we're doing it and it's working for us and no one else is doing it, then by all means, let us carry on. But surely at some point, one of these other clubs, Chelsea or Liverpool or Newcastle, are going to go. Okay, it's it's our turn now. We're gonna we're gonna snap up a Spanish team and see how that feeds into our group. Um, but until then, let's let's just enjoy it, I guess. Just want to touch on a couple of those points then before we come to a conclusion. Where I have have got a little uh, humdinger question for you at the end. But uh, one of the things you mentioned, Ollie, is how well the other clubs that are part of the CFG are doing. Not all of them. It's hard to have a 100% hit rate, but we are going to be seen for clubs that are in need of a boost as the Midas touch. We don't necessarily need to go out looking for suitors at this point. Clubs that have their heads screwed on and are paying attention to what's going on will be coming to us and, and making offers to us for, for what we can do for them. And that that's great. Um, the other thing is the women's really important points. I as you guys know, I had a baby daughter a few months back. And I think it's amazing for me that I can take her on a Saturday lunchtime to watch the women's um, over at the Academy Stadium and then go and watch the men's in the afternoon. Whereas if you look at Man United, they've put the women at Lee Sports Village. That That's insane. The, these clubs are not, not even I don't even want to say taking advantage of of the uptick in interest in the women's game. They're not helping it along whatsoever. It's bit part for them, right? And and that is something in particular that I'm proud of City for um, in our approach to the women's game and to the youth game. We're not only pushing it as an addition to City, we're approaching it as one big group, and that's great. So, last question I want to ask you guys: um, How far behind? Are other clubs, such as United, on a timescale? And the other thing is, any concerns? Anywhere you might think, mm, we've kind of slowed down there recently. We've been doing great as we build, but we might need to pick it up. The answer could be no. Have a think about it. Um, Ollie, come back to you first. Uh, I think you know, I think the only club that's kind of on a par with us, still at the moment, is still probably Liverpool. 
Um, you know, they're having a you know a tough season, but I think in turn, you know, they've they just moved into their new training ground. Um, you know, I think I think they're pretty well set. Um, you know, if FS if FSG can rebuild that team, you know, I think they're going to be pretty well set to continue alongside us. Arsenal, you know, they could win the Premier League this year, and I still think they're probably about another twelve months behind City in terms of being consistently there. Um, because you know, coming back into the Champions League is difficult for any team. Manchester United predicting them is just impossible. Uh, but I think I think I think they look like they finally cracked it, and they're you know steady on their way. But you know. Every club is kind of at least twelve months away from where City are, which sounds crazy when we're second in the league and you know we're looking over our shoulder at you know Newcastle and Manchester United. But it is true uh, concerns at this club, non nothing like major. You know, I have a concern about who we're going to buy in the summer, but you know, so does every football fan in the history of ever. Um, so in terms of massive concerns, I don't really think there is any. Uh, I just want to, I just want to see us continuing to be, you know the top echelon of English football, you know, constantly having players, you know, dominate not just, you know, academy titles, but dominate the academy youth teams, the youth teams for England, you know, both on the men and women's side. You know, I think in the Euros, we had eight or nine of the Lionesses were Manchester City players or or players we moved on that summer. Um, It's crazy. It's crazy to try and comprehend that, really. I think for me, my my only concern I have right now is who replaces Pep, and will the fall be as big as United's when Alex Ferguson left? Because I I, I know we we talk about his company going to be ready, and who who would step in? Did we miss a trick with Arteta? But I honestly I I try and put it to the back of my mind because I don't see how anything is going to be as good as as Pep, or even obviously no one will be as good as Pep. Pep is Pep, but what is the new generation of Man City post Pep? And because he's going to have been here for, will it be nine years or ten years when he finally, if he leaves after this, another extension? It's been the longest manager I've ever known at City and obviously the most successful by a long shot. I'm worried about that. I'm trying to not think about it too much. Um, in terms of all the other clubs, I would say, yeah, on the pitch, albeit another side might win the league or they might win the Carabao Cup like United, but I do still think most clubs are 12 months to maybe even two years behind City. You've seen what Chelsea have done this year. They're still garbage. That The teams are a long way off having that sort of style of play and structure that Man City have been building now for God knows how long now, six, seven, seven years with Pep. Um, and then off the pitch, every big, big top six club, they've got one thing, but they don't have the other. So United have got a huge stadium, big fan base, training grounds, dreadful, stadiums old. Liverpool have got sort of the history and, and the side, but then I, I know they've moved into the training facility now, but they don't seem to have the funds to go and buy the players that they want. And I feel like we're probably the most well-rounded group and sort of the most, if we're an eight at everything, there's other clubs that are at nine at certain things, but the sixes are others. So again, I'm not concerned by that either, if I'm honest with you. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change our, our set up, our group for United's or Liverpool's for all the tea in China. Sounds like a good place to wrap up then. Everybody's happy. We think everyone's at least 12 to 24 months behind us and the good times will continue to roll. So thank you very much, Ollie and David. This has been the City Report podcast. We will catch you tomorrow.
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.